Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. We've come to the end of the book of Revelation, and this is the culmination of all of history and all of time. At the end of the previous chapter, chapter 20 of Revelation, there was Judgment Day, and the Bible says that earth and heaven fled away from the presence of God. And that, we're also told in 2 Peter 3, means that the whole of creation, all of matter, all of time, and all the works that were done in time and matter and space were burned up completely. They were destroyed. And then we were all at Judgment Day in this timeless place, which is why all people from all times and all places can be in one place at one time, because in heaven and in eternity, time is different. Have you ever wondered why we can see in the Bible that there are people from the end of time watching us now? Now, you say, Greg, what's that all about? Well, the people from the end of time are those who've gone through judgment and they have been assigned to eternity with God in heaven. And yet we see the thief on the cross. Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. We see in Ephesians 3 verse 15, it says the whole family in heaven and on earth is together. There's family in heaven and on earth at the same time. Uh, we see in Hebrews 12, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses of Christians watching us. So time is different. Once we've gone through that judgment day, it's almost like there is no time and, and people from the end can watch what's happening all the way through history. And it's a very different perspective. Dimension is what we've used to describe it in the past. And so when I read Revelation 21 and 22, we need to understand we're now in a different way of thinking. Time and space and matter and all the things we physically can touch or understand with our minds are different. So he says in Revelation 21, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And that word new in the Greek means completely new, completely different. Not just cleaned up, but completely recreated. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. 2 Peter 3 says they are melted with fervent heat. They are dissolved or unwound. Every little atom and piece, all the elements are taken apart through fire and great noise. Also, there was no more sea. So we know that this is not just a, a refreshed world. It, there's no more sea. It's a, it's a whole different way of thinking. And before you get all sad about there being no more sea, we're thinking in different terms here. It's not just your physical brain and body that we're thinking about. So try and, try and realize that John is trying to put difficult and spiritual concepts and eternal ideas, different dimensions into language we can understand. Then I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Now that little phrase, I will be their God, they will be my people is repeated so many times throughout Scripture as God's heart cry and God's plan and will and desire and purpose. And we see here it is finally achieved. And we are the bride of Christ. Now again, there's some confusion with time because before the thousand years millennium, we had the marriage supper of the Lamb. 
but then we had the thousand years millennium and then there was the judgment and then this. How is that all possible? Because we were in eternal places, in heavenly places when we had that marriage supper and then we had to come back down for the thousand years on earth. Difficult to understand, but you will see how it works by the end of today. Verse 4, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Remember that phrase. The former things have passed away. They're gone. They're destroyed. They're dissolved. Hallelujah. Verse 5, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Again, remember that phrase, all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. He reminds John to write because John was just so amazed that he'd forgotten to write down. Write, for these things are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. Fellowship, intimacy, complete forgiveness, acceptance. We're washed clean. All things are new. We're close to God. We know Him as we are fully known, we're told in the Bible. Verse 8, But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. There's nothing impure here at all. Purity and perfection. Verse 9, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And now he's going to describe this heavenly city. And I'm going to ask you to use your imagination. God has given us the ability to picture things in our minds and he gives us this description so we can try and imagine what this heavenly city is like. He says, she has the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Now I'm going to be listing some stones, some gemstones. And I want you to just think about it. Let me, let me just tell you a few of these colors. You may not remember them all. But I'm going to tell you so that you can imagine the scene. Jasper is a, a brick red color, but translucent and shining. David Pawson says that there are two types of gemstones, anisotropic and isotropic. And the anisotropic ones, when you shine a pure beam of light, not a scattered light, but a pure beam of light through them, they shine more brightly. Whereas isotropic ones, when you shine a pure beam of light, they just go dark and, and almost like a lump of coal. And all of the gems, he says, listed in this chapter of Revelation are the anisotropic ones where if you shine pure light into them, they would shine even more brightly. So Jasper is a, is a brick red. Sapphire is a blue, but it can also be an orange pink or a golden or a white color. Chalcedony is a pale blue, yellow, brown or gray color. Emerald is a beautiful green. Sardonyx is a deep orange. Sardius is an orange, red, and brown. Chrysolite is a sparkling pale green color, ranging from lime, yellow green, olive green, to medium dark green. Beryl is blue to blue green with yellow, greenish gold, red, or even pink. Topaz is yellow and blue with pink, peach, gold, 
green, red, and brown. It's just got all those colors. If you remember early in Revelation, it talks about a rainbow being all around God in heaven. Chrysoprase is greenish gold. Jacinth is an orange diamond or a dark blue color. And amethyst is a transparent reddish purple to a bluish purple. So he says, uh, having the glory of God, verse 11. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also, she had a great high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates, and names were written on them, which were on the names, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates on the west. Now, the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So there's this huge city. We're going to see the size of it a little bit later. But underneath the city, there are 12 foundations, and in the walls, there are 12 gates. Uh, verse 15, And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. So it's like a cube. And 12,000 furlongs is 1,500 miles. The volume of the city is the same as the volume of the moon. It is enormous, absolutely enormous. Um, its length, breadth, and height are equal. Then he measured its wall 144 cubits according to the measure of man that is of an angel. The construction of its wall was of jasper. We've already said it's a brick red color. And the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, brick red. The second was sapphire, which is blue, but it can also be orange or pink. The third was chalcedony, a pale blue, yellow, brown or gray color. The fourth was emerald, a beautiful green. The fifth was sardonyx, a deep orange color. The sixth, sardius, an orange, red or brown. The seventh, chrysolite, sparkling pale green, to lime green. Uh, the eighth was beryl, a blue to blue-green color. The ninth was topaz, yellow, blue, or pink. The tenth was chrysoprase, a greenish gold. The eleventh, jacinth, an orange diamond color. And the twelfth was amethyst, a transparent reddish purple or bluish purple color. The twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are safe shall walk in its light and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day, and there shall be no night there, and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. This is a beautiful picture. And it speaks of the structure and the beauty of heaven. The fact that God is there. He is the light source. That we see him face to face and we know him. There's no night. There's no need for sun or moon. It is an extraordinary, beautiful picture and place. And we are 
free of sorrow, pain, regret, uh, full of praise and adoration for the Lord. Revelation 22, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb in the middle of its street. And on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Then he said to me, These words are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now I, John, heard, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Then he said to me, See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Interestingly, he, he seems to be a human, this person who's speaking to him. He says, I'm your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets. He seems somehow to be a human who's talking to him. And he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Verse 11, he who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. For me, this describes the fact that in eternity there's no more time and there's no more change. There's no more opportunity to change. If I'm unjust, I remain unjust eternally in the eternal present. If I'm righteous, I remain that way forever. Uh, time is different and there is no opportunity to repent or change in eternity. Verse 12, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are the dogs and sorcerers, sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. Three times in these chapters, he mentions lying as one of the things that causes people to be outside. Lying is a big problem for God because the devil uses lies and God lives in truth. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come and let him who hears say, come and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, Lord, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Friends, that's heaven. But now I want to just take a slight turn as I close our talk on the book of Revelation and show you that these glorious truths of heaven, even though they are way in the future for us, after this time and then the thousand years, 
They are way in the future. They are a present reality for Christians. People who have Christ in our hearts, we have a portion of eternity within us even now. And that's why the Bible can say some astounding, surprising things. So let me start. The first thing is that there is a new creation in heaven. I'm going to list things that are in heaven, and I'm going to show you that a Christian today has part of these things in us right now. We are partly living in heaven and on earth, and we are partaking of eternity and bringing it into this reality even now. We have the power of heaven at our disposal. The first is a new creation. We saw in Revelation 21, he says, I, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The former things have passed away and all things were made new. New heaven, new earth, that means a new creation. The former things had passed away and all things are made new. Revelation 21 verses 1 to 5. New creation, former things have passed away, all things are made new. That's in heaven, in glory, with the great Jerusalem, the, the new Jerusalem. But listen to what 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ today, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Let me say that again. If anyone is in Christ now, he is already a new creation. He has heaven. That part of him that is spirit has been recreated as if he's in heaven. He is seated in heaven. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. They're gone. They're destroyed. That old nature, that old you has gone from your spirit. And all things have become new. Now, my body hasn't become new, but my spirit, that real part of me that's going to live forever, is already new as if it will be in heaven. That's the same now as it will be then. Absolutely amazing. What about fellowship and closeness to God? In verse 3, he says, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself will be their God. Um, he who overcomes shall inherit, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. His people, his son, the tabernacle of God, closeness with God when we're in heaven. How wonderful that'll be. But Ephesians 1 verse 6 says, He has made us accepted in the beloved. I'm already accepted. John 1 verse 12 says, As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. We are already children of God. Galatians 4 verse 6 says, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, I will be His Son, but I'm already His Son. 1 John 3 verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. The world does not know us because it did not know Him. We are already that close family member that we will be in heaven. You are already that. Wow. What about no more suffering? And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death or sorrow or crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10 talks about godly sorrow produces repentance, which leads to salvation not to be regretted or having no regret. But the sorrow of the world produces death. You know, when we get to heaven, we're going to see everything from God's perspective. He's going to wipe away every tear. He's going to show us how he worked all things for good, how he was just and faithful. And we're going to say, 
I rest. I'm not regretting anything because God has done all things well. And 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10 says, If I truly have godly sorrow for my sins, I repent. It leads to salvation and there is no regret, even for the bad things that were done to me and the bad things I've done. Why? Because I know God has forgiven me and he's working all things together for good. It's an extraordinary truth that freedom from regret and pain and worry and sadness is already inside my heart. What about the blessings of heaven? Uh, the, the blessing and the authority that comes from heaven. He says he's going to give us living water in verse 6 of chapter 21 and verses 1 to 3 of chapter 22. This living water is going to flow through, through us. He says, I'm going to give you freely this living water that produces life. But we already have this. John 7 verse 37, Jesus said, On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. By this he meant the Holy Spirit. We have access to these rivers of living water, this Holy Spirit. Even today, you could be filled. You can say, Lord, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. And he fills you. And it just overflows. And we start to speak in tongues and prophesy. And we have closeness with God. The, the living water is available. What about inheriting all things? In verse 7 of 21, he says, you will inherit all things. But Romans 8 verse 32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God has made all things available. There's so many verses that say all things are yours. What about being pure and forgiven? We see in Revelation 21 that we are pure and forgiven. There is no evil thing there. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 says of us today, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Your spirit is pure like the Holy Spirit's. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. I already have all those heavenly blessings in Christ. They're already in me and for me. And Ephesians 2 verse 6 says, He raised us up together with Christ and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And there are many other verses that I could show you to show how the blessings of heaven are yours today. Now, what do I do with this? First of all, the whole book of Revelation is given to comfort us and to encourage us and to get us ready for any trials or tribulations we're going to go through. Secondly, we need to be ready. Jesus said that his people are not caught off guard when he comes again. He comes as a thief in the night, but five are foolish virgins who weren't ready. They, they didn't have oil in their lamps. They weren't close to God, but the other five were ready. He says, be ready, be close to me, be loving me, be serving me when I come. But then thirdly, he shows us heaven and he says in all these verses that I've read and many other verses, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's not just the thousand years millennium when Christ reigns that we see the fruit of heaven on earth. It's also now, not fully, 
not 100%, but in our own lives, we have the peace, we have the closeness to God. We know that we are seated in heavenly places. We can access heaven at any time through prayer and worship. Remember, we saw in Revelation that the prayers of the saints are like incense in heaven, and they are a part of what's happening in heaven. When you or I pray, we are instantly in heaven with the angels, and we are affecting things on earth and things in heaven. We have access to heaven. You have closeness with God. You can come to him at any time with boldness, the Bible says. We enter into his presence, not because we're good, but because he has made us pure and righteous. And then we start to see that power that's within us, the power of eternal heaven that's in our spirits. It starts to work itself out in our emotions, in our character, in our bodies. We see physical healing and then we pray and we prophesy and we see things around the world change because we're praying in effect, just like the Lord's Prayer told us to pray. Jesus said, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying for God's freedom from pain, for his righteousness, for his forgiveness, for his healing, for his love to spread out over the earth in us and through us. Friends at Leading Lights, that's our goal, is to obey the Great Commission and extend his kingdom to the ends of the earth. It's going to be a fight right up until the end, but we have Christ within us and with us. He said at the end of the Great Commission, I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age. This is the end of the age, and he will never leave you. If you want to know Christ, pray this prayer with me now. And if you want to serve him better, look up leadinglightsnetwork.com on the internet, but also connect with us, email us, let us know what's going on, and we will stand with you and help you. And together, we will see God's kingdom extended in the earth. So pray if you want to become a believer today. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you came to earth. I know you died for me. And I see today that you paid for my sins to be forgiven. I give you my sins and I ask you to forgive me and make me a brand new creation on the inside, pure and holy. I thank you that I am now your child and I will serve you and get closer to you and live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Friends, let us know if you prayed that prayer. It's the start of the best decision you had have ever made, and it's a road that will lead you to glory. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.